Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning. My name is Anas, and I'll be a conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Taseco Mines First Quarter Earnings and Production Results Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press the star, then the number two. Thank you. Mr. Brian Bergat, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Anis. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining Taseco's first quarter 2021 conference call. The news release announcing our financial and operational results was issued yesterday after market close and is available on our website at tasecominds.com. On the call with me today is Taseco's CEO, Russ Hallbauer, our president, Stuart McDonald, John McManus, our COO, Taseco's Chief Financial Officer, Bryce Hamming, and also Richard Tremblay, VP of Operations. As usual, before we get into opening remarks by management, I would like to remind our listeners that our comments and answers to your questions will contain forward-looking information. This information by its nature is subject to risks and uncertainties that may cause the stated outcome to differ materially from the actual outcome. For further information on these risks and uncertainties, I encourage you to read the cautionary note that accompanies our first quarter MD&A and the related news release, as well as the risk factors particular to our company. I would also like to point out that we will use various non-GAAP measures during the call. You can find explanations and reconciliations regarding these measures in the related news release. After opening remarks, we will open the phone lines to analysts and investors for a question and answer session. I would now like to turn the call over to Russ for his remarks. Thank you, Brian. Good morning, everyone. Hope you are all doing well. As you can see from our quarter results, it's been quite the ride for us over the last year. With the price volatility we've seen over the last year, it's been a tough environment to operate in. When you produce 10 million less pounds of copper as we did this quarter, and in the comparable quarter a year ago, but make $25 million more in operating profit, that's a good thing, I suppose. In simple terms, our plans last year were to get through the early stages of the pandemic when copper dropped to just over $2 US per pound. And we accomplished that by managing our mining plans to maintain positive cash margins at Gibraltar. In the same way though, uh, in the same manner that we got through the global financial crisis in 2008, 2009, and then copper price crash in 2016. As we've spoken about many times in the past, we often have to move quickly to adjust our whole mining plan to ensure we get by whatever was going to happen. And that was no different during the pandemic, the early days of the pandemic. They were uncertain times. Was copper going to stay around $2, drop further to $1.50 or lower, or recover quickly? Who knew? At a large mining operation like Gibraltar, where we're moving in excess of 100 million tons of waste and ore a year, it's a complex engineering undertaking. And if you move in one direction, it takes a lot of time to rectify once the metal price is sorted out. And thus, here we are a year later, digging ourselves with a hole we got put into 12 months ago. But things have turned out pretty well with the operating profit we made and our operating results, 
and financials will continue to improve over the rest of the year. Uh, as we've seen in the past, again, when we resequence uh, the pips and the resequencing of the pips occur, we encounter lower grades in the upper benches of these pushbacks, uh, and that's uh, been the historical function of the uh, type of board body we have. And that uh, and that's gone on uh, and what's gone on over the past six months uh, is indicative of that grades are below reserve grade, and obviously that affects the amount of metal we produce. And lower grades equate to higher C1 costs. However, going forward as we transition through the resequencing, we will naturally mine higher grades uh, with a lower strip and, and ultimately lower C1 costs. So, um, as we talked about, as we move forward through the rest of the year, we'll see grades rise quarter over quarter to above our average reserve grade later in the year. So that explains in simplistic terms our mining sequencing and results. Uh, now, some folks think we should have really creamed it with copper prices, we have seen, and we did with respect to where we were a year ago. So now we just have to look forward to how things unfold for the rest of the year. And hopefully with higher copper prices, we will continue to have very good financial results. One thing I'd like to mention is that uh, as we sell metal at ever-increasing prices, the cost of everything else goes up, including our input costs. I guess uh, a lot of people are talking about inflation, and this could be classified as inflation. Uh, uh, but as we see at this juncture, input costs have not been increasing, but it's hard to say how long that will last. Uh, we've managed to maintain our cost at relatively stable levels over the years because we've taken a long-term view uh, of, of the business and locked down our input costs with long-term contracts wherever possible tried to take out as much variability as possible. For example, ocean freight from Vancouver to Asia in normal times uh, costs anywhere between 60 to $90 US per ton. And if you look at feasibility studies for Western Canadian or other mining operations, you'll see uh, that's in most of the feasibility studies. Uh, fortunately, we've had a contract that is less than half of that price or roughly $30 a ton for a number of years now. However, the, buy, uh, the, the, the dry Baltic rate has been very poor for the past five or six years. However, that is all changing. Uh, and it, as you can see from the graphs of the dry Baltic, it's running up to rates not seen for a decade. So producers will come under pressure from those increases in terms of total C1 costs. Uh, our, our freight uh, rate uh, lock-in lasts for over another year. So we are sheltered from increases in off-property costs to some degree for the foreseeable future because of the approach we have taken to lock in things we can't control. But many companies are exposed big time. Imagine the cost implications of a two to three times freight increase in your, in your ocean freight costs, say going from three to four cents to eight, nine, or 10 cents. And that's just freight costs hitting your bottom line. Uh, the same is gonna occur with refining and treatment charges. Everyone knows that the benchmark prices are in the neighborhood of $60.06 a pound, uh, which are the lowest of the past decade as well. Uh, however, uh, spot rates are down around 10 to $20 per ton and one to two cents per pound for high quality copper cod, um, like we produce out of Gibraltar. We recently sold a spot cargo of 45,000 tons in that range for delivery later in the year. And with our long-term contract ending at year end, we believe that although TCRC costs will climb, the shortage of concentrate will now allow us to renew with terms like we have now well below benchmark. And those savings are in, in the millions of dollars a year. 
which flows straight to our bottom line. Gibb has, over the course of the past 15 years, had the best refining treatment contact of any mine in the world, bar none. And that has a lot to do with the type and quality of concentrate we produce, and our spot terms confirm that. It is a sought-after concentrate. So while we will fish the added pressure with respect to grinding media, reagents, diesel, we believe we can mitigate those with what we're doing in some of those other areas, as I've spoken to above, which gives us a distinct advantage over many other producers. We're also in the process of looking at what we may be able to do with the next evolution of Gibraltar in the context of what appears to be the future of the copper market over the next year or so. As we know, Gibraltar has a long mine life predicated off its 500 million tons of reserves, but its resources are large as well with an additional 500 million tons. We are now planning a property-wide geophysics program followed by a detailed drill program to find out more about what we have and what the future may hold for the Gibraltar mine. As it stands now, by cha just changing the projected long-term prices for our reserves, we can bring in between 90 to 100 million tons of incremental ore, which would extend the mine life by over three years. And while that tonnage would support an increase in Jim's throughput from, to 110,000 tons a day from the rough, roughly a 25% increase from the current level, we'll feel like something, having something in excess of 200 million additional tons would support a concentrator expansion, and that's what we're planning on doing trying to add another 150 million plus tons to our reserves, and we believe that that is uh, more than feasible. So by this time next year, after GFX drilling in a new technical report, we should see a new updated path forward for Gibraltar. So we'll see what happens after the Florence build-out, but we may be in a position to advance something at Gibraltar or Yellowhead. We have many, many options. I'd like to now turn the phone over to uh, Stuart for his comments. Okay, thanks Russ, and good morning everyone. Uh, it's hard to believe that the copper price today is just around 4.58 a pound, a dollar higher than at the beginning of the year, and that's a 30% increase on what on top of what was already a strong price. Great situation for an unhedged producer like Tosico. Certainly feels like there's been a shift in how many analysts and industry experts are thinking about the market over the next few years, and uh, we, we started seeing the impact of that strong market on Tosico's share price, which has doubled again over the last six months. Strong markets also allowed us to refinance and upsize our bonds in February at, at attractive terms. And looking ahead with the large reserve base we have at Gibraltar and low-cost growth coming from our Florence project, we're in an excellent position to benefit from strong copper prices in the coming years. In terms of the first quarter results that we released yesterday, Copper production from Gibraltar was 22 million pounds on head grade of 0.19% and recoveries of 82%. We knew that grades would be lower in the first half of this year as ore mining transitioned into the upper benches of the Pollyanna pit. The grade was lower than expected and that impacted recoveries as well. On the positive side, we mined a total of 32 million tons, which was more than 20% higher than the previous quarter as we benefited from shorter hauls and high productivities. Because of the strong performance in the mine, we now expect to get into the higher grade that was forecast for the second half of the year later in this second quarter. So we see improved production in the second quarter and then higher again in the second half of the year as we get deeper in the Pollyanna pit. We have seen an unexpected delay in a routine permit amendment that we need to access the Gibraltar pit. And unfortunately, that delay resulted in 34 layoffs. We believe that situation is temporary and expect to receive permits and begin mining in Gibraltar pit this quarter, with, with ore release from that pit beginning later this year, which will also contribute to improved grades and production in the back half. 
So while we were 25% below reserve grade in Q1, that will reverse and we expect to be above reserve grade in the second half. Those of you that have followed our company know that this is not an unusual occurrence as we do have quarterly fluctuations but revert back to our average grades over time. At current copper prices, we're forecasting over 200 million of, of operating margin over the next nine months. And if copper prices go higher, then so too will our margins. With that level of cash flow coming from Gibraltar, we would be in a position to fund Florence with internal sources and without any additional financing or JV partner. While we're continuing discussions with a few potential financing partners, retaining 100% ownership of Florence is definitely something we're comfortable with as we see good copper prices ahead. On the regulatory side of Florence, we've continued to make progress in recent months. The, the APP permit was issued by the state in December, and the last remaining appeal was withdrawn in the first quarter, so that permit is in place. In March, we received a favorable appeals court decision, which, was which has finally resolved the remaining litigation with the town. While we never doubted a positive outcome on that legal matter, it's good to have it behind us. We've also now reached a full settlement agreement with the town of Florence, which their council just approved on Monday, and we view that as a very positive development as well, and indicative of the public support that we received through the APP permitting process last year. The final remaining permit will come from the EPA and their work continues to advance, albeit more slowly than we expected. We have a regular and ongoing dialogue with the EPA and based on what they've told us, we expect they'll issue the draft UIC permit in June. There will then be a public comment period, including a public hearing, which we expect will lead towards issuance of the final permit later in Q3. At that point, we'll be ready to move into construction of the commercial facility and the detailed work the detailed engineering work is on track to support that timeline. As we've talked about in the past, Florence will produce copper with a sustainable and green production method. And that green growth story was a big focus of our 2020 sustainable sustainability report, uh, which we released a couple of weeks ago. We're very proud of our achievements and successes related to, to ESG initiatives, you know, and those are outlined in the report. For the first time this year, we published Gibraltar's Scope 1 and 2 greenhouse gas emissions, which we had independently verified by SCARN Associates, a UK-based consultancy. And based on their analysis, Gibraltar ranks in the first quartile of global copper producers for GHG emissions intensity. And when copper production starts at Florence, Tosico will drop even lower in the first quartile. So that report is available on our website, and I suggest you give it a read. I think you'll be surprised at the work our employees do every day to create value for all of our stakeholders. Lastly here, I wanted to take the opportunity to congratulate our team at Gibraltar as we learned this week that the mine has again won the John Ash Award for 2020. This is awarded by the provincial government of BC to the mining operation with the lowest injury frequency rate. So it's great recognition and we've won it now five years out of the last seven, so that's definitely something to be proud of. And with that, I'll pass it over to Bryce to uh, review the financials. Thanks, Stuart. Good morning, everyone. For the first quarter, we reported earnings for mine ops before depreciation of $30 million and adjusted EBITDA of $24 million. <coughs> earnings this quarter continued to benefit from the recovering copper price, which averaged $386 per pound for the quarter. SECO also had a further $4 million in upward provisional price adjustments included in revenue resulting in an average price of 409 per pound. We had sales of 22 million pounds, which was similar to our production, 
As we continued to keep our concentrated inventory low at the end of March, ending inventory was 3.6 million pounds and was similar to prior quarters. C1 total operating costs came in at 223 US per pound and remained higher than the life of mine average as a result of the lower copper production. But total spending on the site costs, including 21.5 million in capitalized strip, were generally in line with previous two quarters since ramping back up to full mining rates in Q4 last year. The Canadian dollar continued its strengthening trend in line with commodity prices, which is also impacting our costs per pound in US dollar terms. But at a at 409 realized copper price, we still made a notable operating margin of 30 million before depreciation, which increased from Q4. Cash flow from operations, which was negative 3 million compared to adjusted EBITDA of 24 million, was simply impacted by an increase of 27 million in working capital due to the timing of one shipment and the AR balance we carried at the end of the quarter. We did not collect on a provisional invoice uh, February shipment until early April which resulted in the AR ending at uh, the quarter at 31 million compared to 6 million last quarter. Depreciation at 16 million was a little lower than our expectation of 20 per quarter, but that was due to the greater processing of ore from stockpiles, lower throughput, and higher waste stripping activity uh, in the next pit suite sequence in Pollyanna. Gap net loss was 11.2 million or, or 4 cents per share and included a 12 or just 13 million loss on settlement related to our 2022 notes, which we uh, refinanced in the quarter. That was partially offset by 4 million net foreign exchange gain on our US dollar denominated debt. After adjusting for these two non-recurring items, including tax effects on that settlement loss, our adjusted net loss was 5 million or two cents per share. With our December 31st cash balance and the net proceeds of the bond refinancing, we started the year with pro forma cash of $250 million. We ended the quarter uh, just shy of $200 million. The working capital decrease of $27 million, which will reverse in Q2, accounted for about half of that use of cash. We also had increased CapEx at both JIB and Florence, and $11 million was used for the purchase of copper put options to protect uh, our floor price in the second half of this year. We also paid our debt service, including interest. That was around $10 million. So our cash position is set to increase now, given the higher copper price. That's over uh, $450 per pound, coupled with the, the copper production expectation in the coming uh, quarters that uh, Stuart and Russ mentioned. Finally, investment in Florence increased to be approximately $10 million in Q1, reflecting the ongoing but increasing detailed engineering work being performed. Florence expenditures will begin increasing further in the coming quarter as we prepare for receipt of the final UIC permit and get ready for construction of the commercial facility. In addition to detailed engineering, this could include deposits on lead ordering items and initial payments on key contracts to secure pricing. So we are beginning to strategically deploy some of the funds raised from our equity and bond financings for Florence, which begins chipping away at the $230 million capital cost we estimate to build out the commercial facility there. I will now turn it back to the operator for any questions. Thanks. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session for analysts only. Should you have any questions, please press star followed by one on your touchstone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift your hands before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question.
Your first question comes from Ed Broker with Barclays. Ed, please go ahead. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my questions uh, this morning. So my first one, I just want to ask on the potential infrastructure deal, do you think you have an advantage kind of being in the, you know, the North America copper producer um, with the potential infrastructure deal, um, you know, especially with the Buy America stance the administration is taking? And then, you know, on, on top of that, has it kind of made you want to speed up the timeline for Florence, if, if at all possible? Yeah. Uh, hi, it's Stuart speaking. And you're, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are moving, I think, as fast as we can on Florence. Um, we think it's the right time to be bringing on um, a new mine like that. As you say, it fits perfectly into the, the Buy American um, approach that's out there and, and you know, delivering a, a product that's going to be required uh, for some of the infrastructure spending that's planned in the U.S. So we think we're, it's perfect timing for this project. We're moving as quickly as we can. Um, the constraint right now, as I said, is, is that EPA permit. But we get that permit in the third quarter, and we'll be, uh, which is our expectation, and we'll, we'll be ready to move uh, into construction as quickly as we can after that. Got it. That actually brings me uh, to my next question. Um, was there any specific reason uh, for the holdup in the EPA decision, given your talks with them? I, I think the previous uh, uh, expectation was that it was going to be mid-2021 um, decision. I'm just trying to get a sense for why the final decision seems to be pushed back, or at least slower than expected, and then wondering if that could be pushed back, back any further. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely the process has moved a little more slowly than we would have liked. Um, it's unfortunately a, a process where there aren't any um, clear, uh, defi clearly defined deadlines or timelines, you know, and so the EPA just has to get through their work. Um, I think they're moving moving slowly and prudently and, and cautiously. And, you know, the, the important thing, I think, is that look, there's no major issues coming up in the process. So they're making progress. It's just taking time. And, um, yeah, that's our, that's our expectation um, at the current time is that we'll get that permit sometime later in the third quarter. But uh, no, no, issues, no major issues there. Got it. Got it. And then my last question, I just wanted to get an update on where you are in the process at, uh, at Yellowhead. And the pre-production CapEx, I think I, I read it was $1.3 It seems pretty big compared to Florence uh, Phase 2 at kind of the 230 level. So I just wanted to get a sense of you, if you've thought about how you're going to pay for that. I know it's further down the line, but would you look at JV Partners for that? Or, or do you think, uh, you know, we'll be building free cash flow, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, it, it's you're right. It's it's definitely a bigger capex um, bite for us, and it's you know a few years down the road. Um, we've got obviously some permitting and community community work to get done first, which we're focused on right now. But you know, looking ahead a couple of years, when we have Gibraltar and Florence both running, you know, we're going to be a different company. We're going to be a much stronger, uh, you know, from EBITDA and cash flow generation. So it's a project that uh, we're, we like, we're interested in, and, and if we can take it on uh, a few years down the road with a JV partner, um, we think it could be, uh, you know, we think it could work for us and fits into the, the whole copper uh, story as well, because you're going to need projects like that to be built to fill to fill the uh, the supply deficit that's coming. So yeah, that's that's the way we're thinking about it. It's not a decision that needs to be made anytime soon, but uh, it's it's a it's, as I said, it's a couple of years down the road. Got it. Thanks very much.
Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have any questions, please press star 1. Your next question comes from Craig Hutchinson with GD Securities. Craig, please go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, you touched on it earlier that you need uh, a permit to access the Gibraltar East Pit. Um, just curious, when do you need this permit place to um, avoid having any potential impacts on your, your guidance for 2021? Richard, would I, uh, Richard, do you be able to take that question? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Craig, Richard Tromley here. Uh, really, we're looking uh, to require that permit here before the end of May. Uh, if it goes longer than that, then we'll start seeing impacts in 2021. Yeah. And obviously, I, I guess you know you're expecting higher grades from this portion of the pit. Is that correct? Uh, grades from the Gibraltar pit will uh, will be in line with the life of line average. So yes, it will be higher than what we've seen in Q1. And the other, I guess, comment I'll make is uh, not getting into the Gibraltar pit. We, uh, you know, we see impacts from that uh, if we're not in there before the end of May. But there's also opportunities to do do some things in the Pollyanna pit to potentially offset it. So. Uh, we're currently looking at those variabilities or optionalities for as you know as a worst case scenario, uh, but our expectations is that we should receive that permit here shortly uh, in the coming weeks. Okay. And just just on grades, you guys were pretty clear in the, in the opening commentary that you expect grades in the sort of second half of this year to be above reserve grades. But any clarity you guys can provide on Q2, you know, what kind of grades we're seeing right now, and the same kind of question just on throughput. Are you into some softer ore? Can we expect throughput to sort of increase over uh, the Q1 levels? Yeah, so as uh, uh, as mining uh, continues here in Pollyanna, uh, we see less reliance on stockpile material, and, and with uh, the ore coming out of the pit, uh, we don't expect or don't see throughput as being a restriction anymore as it was in Q1. So we'll see that uh, come up and then grades, uh, as has been said previously, uh, will start increasing as the quarter progresses and and then into the second half of the year, we'll see the higher grades. Okay. Um, just on Florence, I asked this question last conference call, but I feel like I had to ask it, ask it again. You guys did mention that you're not seeing much inflation and pressure at your existing Gibraltar operation, but just given, you know, steel prices, in the U.S. are up, you know, 50% through Q1. Uh, based on the engineering work you're doing, are you starting to see any inflation pressure in terms of your cost estimates for that project? Craig, Craig it's Stuart speaking here, and, and I think the short answer to that is no, we're, we're not seeing no. uh, major cost increases at this stage um, in Florence. You know, that's, you know, we just haven't seen it. Okay, great. Um, and then maybe the last question for me, you know, you mentioned, you know, almost a willingness to go to 100% interest in Florence or keep 100% interest. Um, can you maybe talk about the, the partnering, partnering interest at this point? And, and is it your preference to, to pursue 100% or are you still looking at potential uh, JVs? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, look, there's still parties that are interested. I think it's just, you know, we're fortunate with uh, the financings that we have behind us and the copper price environment that we're in. Um, that, that, you know, we now have the ability to build it ourselves. Um, if there's an accretive uh, transaction there that's available to us, we, we could still 
um, do something like that. But you know, at this stage, I think we're leaning, I would say, leaning towards a, a scenario where we own it 100%. But, but certainly, you know, all options are still on the table. Okay, guys, thanks for taking my questions and uh, good luck. Thanks. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a final reminder, should you have any questions, please press star 1. Okay. Um, yeah, operator, if there's uh, no further questions, um, yeah, thanks everyone again for joining, and we'll talk to you uh, next quarter. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.